to Gab with Gwen podcast. We have a new guest, a special guest, my cousin Jerome from across the pond. How are you? Yo, what's good? I'm good, you know. Just quarantine, but I'm doing good. God is good. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Sunday, so you know. preaching. <laughs> This is an episode, you guys, that we've actually tried to record before. We had some technical difficulties, so the second time will be the, a charm. And I reached out to my cousin because I really have been wanting to showcase some stories of people of Jamaican descent because something that, you know, as I live in the States, but I think even globally, we tend to see a lot of the history and the experience of African-Americans, but, you know, there are a lot of people of African descent, Black people from other parts of the world who have similar struggles, but there's different nuances and different things that happen. And I thought you have a very interesting story that is very much worth sharing on this platform. So I appreciate you taking the time to join. Quick thing. So everyone, I think we should start by like how we know each other. So, you know, I've had cousins on my podcast before where they're my first cousins, but you and I are not first cousins. And so we actually connected through the DNA testing. You guys know I talk about that all the time. So we connected through 23andMe and figure out we're related. And actually I realized you're related to me on both sides of my family. So it's actually a little bit challenging to say exactly because you're related to me through my mom and my dad. But what's cool <laughs> is, just, you know, Jamaica's a small place. Um, but what's cool is that, you know, it's still yeah. brethren, it's still family, still everything. But uh, you have a really fascinating story, right? So do you want to just kind of first start off telling us where you were born and where you grew up? Okay, so I was born in a place called Birmingham for the people who don't know Birmingham. Um, it's a place in England and that's where I was born. It's like 120 miles away from London and that's where I was actually raised. Um, obviously my parents, they were born in Jamaica so I have Jamaican blood from the goal, from the gutter gutter, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> so that's just how it is, isn't it? So that's where I was born. That's where I was raised and it is just point blank. But then as time went on, you know, um, I was raised with a big family. I've got seven brothers and sisters on the youngest um of the lot and yeah so we're just yeah that's we exist <laughs> got it yeah and just you guys we're we're recording right the morning or for me in the morning in the u.s after the whole uh beanie man and bouncy killer uh sound clash last night on versus so a lot of jamaican pride bursting just want to say that okay so you grew up in Birmingham and you were the youngest of seven siblings. However, you did not grow up with your mom, right? So can you kind of tell me a little bit who you grew up with and then when you started to realize that there was an issue with citizenship? Yeah, so obviously I didn't grow up with my mom or like my parents and that. So I was I grew up with foster parents who obviously are my family. Um, and, you know, from times when we needed to be taken on like family holiday trips, we were having issues and we first kind of noticed it when, you know, school, said maybe secondary school wanted to take us somewhere and then the family wanted to take us somewhere and we were just having issues. And then obviously that was when the first time when I realised, okay, well, something's not right here, but 
it's nothing that I did because I'm just a child or I'm just a teenager coming up, you know what I mean? So obviously whatever ha whatever's happened, has happened and it was just strange because as I said, I was in foster care, but yet still when it was time for me to apply for a passport, um, I would get refused like me and my sister and that. So we couldn't understand what it was or if it was just something against us and it, obviously it was hard and difficult growing up having to deal with that, you know? So that's kind of basically where that came from. So how old were you when you went to foster care, right? Because you, for the folks in primarily my base is in the U.S., but, uh -huh. you know, in the U.S., foster care is something that's managed by the kind of state government, is government agencies who tend to manage the foster uh -huh. care system, or state, really. And yeah. so it, how old were you when uh -huh. you went into foster care? And can you just also explain, is foster care also something that is managed by the U.K. government? Yeah, so I was under a years old when I went into foster care. It's managed by the state government, it's state-owned, you know. Um, and at the time, I was on a full care order, so that's obviously meaning the responsibility lays with them. But luckily enough for me, because um, you mentioned the foster care system in America is probably known for, you know, children being passed to this family. So, so much families and not being settled. Luckily for me and my sister, we was just settled with one family that kind of raised us and you know they're, they're our family as well so just have a big family in it literally <laughs> right right that's great no that's great because you're right the u.s the u.s is known where people do get unfortunately passed around and u.s the u.s has a lot of problems as you guys can see with covid and our response yeah. we got a lot of problems when it comes to the government and so unfortunately that is uh, even foster care is really challenging here, but that's amazing that you have, you know, your family that you were raised with your entire life, basically. So, because it's well, also... Yeah, and most yeah. importantly for that as well, most importantly, they were Christians, which helped me a lot. You know, it was church every Sunday, mm -hmm. all of Fridays, all of Saturday school. So, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? These things made made the whole situation, I would say, better for me personally, because there was stability there you know so yeah that's that. right right so um for people you know something that's interesting when i spoke to you and you know as we've talked and um and i've actually just done a little bit more research so i think a lot of people will take for granted especially people in america that our policy is that if you are born in the u.s then you are automatically a u.s citizen and you're entitled to a u.s passport and, you know, a lot of times with Trump in office, you know, there's a lot of pushback on immigration here in the U.S. And people don't like anchor babies, what they call, which are people who have foreign parents, but they have a baby here and they hope that they can stay in the States because the baby has U.S. citizenship. But based on your experience, although you were born in the U.K., there were questions about whether or not you are, a citizen, I guess, entitled to a passport for the UK, is that correct? Well, yeah, but that's, that was one thing for me, but my mum, she wasn't no anchor pitney. You know what I mean? <laughs> she came over from Jamaica when she did our pitney. You know what I mean? Yes. So she never come here to land down bare eggs and that and bear have bare children. That wasn't the movement. Of course, She of came course. over here as a little, little girl with my nan. Do you know what I mean? Yes. From yard straight up yeah. to obviously do bits and now raise a life, better life. They invited these people over here, you know, they in back in them days, I don't know how 
the system works then I didn't write the legislations you know I'm just hearing about it about because basically the reason why I was fortunate to then get my citizenship is because they realized that when these people came over from Jamaica they're losing people's documents throwing away this document throwing away that document like anyone asked them to do so do you know what I mean so for me it was really sly of them to kind of do that to our people especially and then try and turn a blind eye, like, oh, we didn't see that. No, you did see that. That's how it comes. Now you're paying out millions and millions to bear people because of what you've caused to their life. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Sure. That's yeah. Where that came from. So it's crazy because, to your point, I, I say the anchor baby thing because Americans, that's always in the news, but this is a very different situation. This is really your mother was a child of the Windrush. And so. Uh, there's an episode that's going to be coming out before this about Windrush, but just to refresh everyone's memory, is you guys realize people from the Caribbean, we were part of the British colonies, right? Not only other countries too, but you think of Jamaica, it was a British colony until the 1960s. Like, this is crazy. The so, Commonwealth, that's what they call it, the Commonwealth. Yeah, you know, part of the Commonwealth. Mm. And so after World War II, when Britain needed to rebuild, they reached out to the citizens of their colonies who were, you know, colonies at the time, you know, still a part of it and Mm -hmm. said, okay, come here. We want you to help build the country. We want your nurses. We want you to do work. And so people, Jamaicans, West Indians, everyone, they came and this is really was happening from the 1950s until the 1970s where people would just go. And remember, if you are a subject, a British subject, it's not an issue of, papers and immigration because you belong to that commonwealth right that is your mother country so you go there and there was no issue but the thing that came up is that during the same time when Windrush was happening when they were getting their subjects to come over to work a lot of from the the, uh, Caribbean you then also had the countries going independent at that time too a lot in the 60s right so at the same time you're doing it but then you're having this Mm. weird moment where they're becoming independent and so by the time Windrush is over which is about 1973 most of the islands in the Caribbean are very newly independent but there was an agreement and an understanding that okay if you had come over at this time then you can stay here you can be citizens it's cool and so your mom you know, must have come over during that time, right, as a child with her parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She came over as a child with her parents. And obviously she didn't know any better because she's just a little girl too. Right. They invited my nan over, you know, they came over. And then that was just that. Right. So it would seem like, okay, it's cool. It should seem like it's a non-issue. Your your mother's been there since she was a child. You were born there. What is the big deal you should be able to just get a passport and be done with it right especially if they you're recognized to me as having british british citizenship because you're in the foster care system and so obviously you're in the system you're not outside of the system you know under the table you're literally a part of the government system so Mm. when you now started to hear about your child and you couldn't go uh, on school trips, etc., because of the passport. Do you know 
what they were saying to your parents at the time? Like, what was the excuse? What was the issue that why you just, couldn't get a passport? Because they was just basically saying, you know, for the first time applicant of a passport in England, you need to supply, obviously, one of your parents' passport number details, UK passport number or passport number details, period. And you need to basically supply that for your passport or else if you don't supply that, you can't get it. That was basically the rules. And then, um, I, I don't know if people in America know this or the US, but the rules changed in 1983, I think it was, when Margaret Thatcher, um, who was one of the um, female pre um, prime ministers at the time, who just kind of fucked up, excuse my French, all of the rules for everyone and just made things difficult and then left people in a difficult state you know, and then left people to pick up the pieces. So that's where that came in, because obviously I fall under the bracket of, you know, I was I was born in that bracket. So for me, it affected me and other members of my siblings. So for me, it was those legis legislations in the government, those people that was ruling at the time that have made it an issue for people like us now in this generation, who really should be able to live a normal life and obviously as a child back then and as a teenager back then you're obviously growing up you're discovering yourself you know hormones are all over the place so when I, it was just constantly rejection from me can't get a passport and stuff i can tell you straight i just was bad as a child as bad behavior just acting bad all the time because you know what you just mm. think there's a time you know you can just feel that something's not right and you just feel like, okay, well, it's nothing that I've done because as far as I'm concerned, I've existed as a human from, a, from the, from the up, um, come up. And now I'm an adult turning into a teenager, bare things are affecting me. So for me, it just caused a lot of bad behaviours, which contributed to a lot of things that, you know, happened. But for me, that's the government, you know, and now they want to say sorry insultingly by offering people a pecker's payment like a local like this and a fucking like these people are jokes because you know what i'm trying to say so mm. so they basically that's what it is my understanding is that when the prime the former prime minister margaret thatcher came and the uk started to have more i guess nationalistic policies or protectionist policies where before if you were a child or you're from the caribbean you would automatically get the british citizenship they changed that for people born after 1983 now i think anyone who's american is gonna be like i don't get this they're like well i don't get it because he's born there so what's the problem so it sounds like the issue is because your passport application requires your mother's passport information, her, is, does that mean that her status is in question? Or is it, be, yeah, what does that well, mean, actually? Um, well, my mom's good, obviously, now. But obviously, yeah, she, she did have issues as well. So yeah. for me, it, it was a generational thing that she, it caused issues for her, it caused issues for me, and the list goes on. Got it, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Got it. The other thing I, I do want to comment so people understand, we're in 2020 now, but you guys need to understand, like, people traveling in, like, the 1960s, 70s, 80s, there weren't computers like now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People used to literally have, like, 
papers. And up until honestly, like the 90s and up until 2000, before September 11th, you could travel on like your birth certificate. Like I traveled when I was little to Jamaica, just on my birth certificate. I didn't use a passport or anything. Same thing with Canada. I think I did have to use it to come to the UK. But you guys need to understand that it wasn't, this, the rules were not as stringent in terms of documentation and they weren't scanning it and all the technology we have today. So if his mom came as a child, okay, she came, she grew up her whole life. There's no big thing. Now, because of these immigration policies that are, you know, honestly suspect, now she's having this issue. And then now because of them not recognizing or honoring what they said from the beginning, it's like, you know, we're going to honor you as our British subjects. And then now it's now trickled down generationally, where even though you were born there, there's questions of, okay, well, whether or not you can have a passport. It's very strange. It's actually, it's actually very strange. It is at a time they actually told me mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, you need to kind of leave the UK and go back to Jamaica. And I'm just listening to these people thinking, but hold on, do you, can you hear what you're saying? I wasn't born in Jamaica, so how are you sending me back to a place I wasn't even from? What am I going to do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, it just got bizarre. Because they were basically sending me letters, almost threatening me, talking about, oh, you're stateless at the moment, you need to go back to your home country. And I'm just like, Pfft. you know? So, so, th so just... that's crazy. So you're now trying to apply for a passport, or UK passport, and they tell you you to go to Jamaica, even though you were not born in Jamaica. Yeah, so long story short, I just had to get a letter from the Jamaican Commission and basically, because I went to them and said, excuse me guys, can I get my passport then? Because at the end of the day, I need something, can it? And when yeah. I told them the situation, they was just telling me, tell the British people, Gwe, because <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're telling you to come here for and ask us for papers and we can't give you nothing. Right. So, and then obviously the British, the, the home office, they wanted to vex about it. But obviously I was just get some writing letters saying, do you know what, use that convection to your fucking boss. You're going to sort me out. So, and in the end, they sorted me out stateless person's document, which means basically I'm not a part of Jamaica. I'm not a part of England, but I'm allowed to come in and out of the country. I have to go in some long ass queue when I get to the airport. And then basically it's just classed as an alien. So you just exist in society. So that's what I had for two years, you know, and then that's how I managed to go to the Caribbean and went um, to the Caribbean someplace and took some holidays there and stuff. But I was traveling on a stateless person's document at the time, you know, so every this time I would wild. go to the airport, I'm having the dramas being let back in. Every time I'm going to get into the airport back in UK, one time the, 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 the guy says to me at the DM thing, he says, we've never seen this document before. They didn't want to let me back in the UK and I'm panicking at the airport thinking, listen, right now, I need a toilet, I need mm -hmm. to go home, I need to drop my bags off, I need to look fresh again. You're not a motherfucking holding me up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I, it, it just deterred me from wanting to travel because I just thought this is a long thing. Every time I go to the airport, it's a long thing. And then now, obviously, I've got my passport and everything sorted legit now, but I had to sue them for me to get to this point, mm. you know? That's wild. So the UK government refused to give you a passport, although you were born there. And because okay. of this law, you know, and actually I, I Googled it here. I have a little bit more details here. So basically oh. for British citizenship, the way it works is that there are certain requirements from the government. So if you were born in the UK mm. or a British colony before January 1st, 1983, oh. then you will be mm -hmm. a British citizen, right? So if you were born before then mm -hmm. and you had the right of abode in the UK, so 
the right to basically be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so well, I was born shortly after then, well, way after then. So I won't say when, but I was born after <laughs> then. So I fall under the bracket where I need to have my, um, the parents' details. And that was Margaret Thatcher's government that, that kind of put all of that into play. Yes. So it just affected bear, man. Yes. And I'm saying, I'm seeing here that if you were born after January 1st, 1983, then one of your parents had to be a British citizen when you were born, which does not apply to you. Or mm-hmm. one of your parents was quote unquote settled in the UK when you were born, which I think also is kind of subjective. So that now puts you in this no, limbo. It's phase. not subjective. You know why? Because you know why it's not subjective? No, because you know what it is? Because you need to bear in mind, my mom, my parents would have had to been settled here at the time of my birth because I'm the last of seven children. True. Come on, it takes nine months to make a baby. True. You know what I'm trying to say? They sort of worked it out that, of course, this lady would have been settled in the UK at the time of this one's birth. The hell they're talking about? True. So they just had no sense. Do you know what I mean? The writing yeah. all of this on paper, but really, really, every individual case just sort of looked at me and thought, obviously, she's settled because she's never left the country since she came here and right. she's had their children and this boy is the last one. So, what? Do you know what I mean? She wasn't settled here. Right. So it's just it got bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you were in the system, like you were actually in the government system. So to me, it's like, how much more settled can you be, really? That's wild. So all that to say, the only option for you to be able to travel. So this is the thing. This is this is very fascinating. I have to say from an American lens because they're letting you get like government. You're like involved in the government system because you're in foster care and I guess other things and healthcare, right? I guess the what is it? The NI. What's it called? The, the healthcare system, NIH? National National, NHS. Um, NHS. And, yeah. you know, you're part of that. So they're letting you do that, but they're being very specific about the passport and not giving it to you, which is wild. So the only way for you to leave properly is for you to agree to be a stateless citizen, which is not a good thing because doesn't that come with some caveats too? Like if you're stateless, I, don't they take away some of those benefits or no? Yeah, so basically there's different levels of statelessness, but I think the worst one is you can't claim any benefits, you can't get help from social care, you can't go to public school or education unless if you're paying that motherfucking shit yourself. Wow. <laughs> you can't get no health care unless if you're paying that shit yourself. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it does like leave, even yeah. housing situations, yeah. it leaves people in a jacked up situation. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So you're fighting. How long did it, how long did it take for you to even get the stateless citizenship piece? Like, how long did it take for them to well, give you that? Well, I had to send them their documents, what school I went to, what primary school I went to, who knows who, what knows what. And then after all of that, that t- took around a year. Wow. And then that's when the Windrush story broke in the media. And then I wrote to the local MP, well, not even my local MP, I just wrote to the MP that what I thought looked like me, which is David Lammy. And then obviously I wrote to him and um, told him the situation. He just thought it was bizarre. From there, long story short, every media outlet's trying to contact me, trying to know my story. Do you know what I mean? So they're trying to come up to my house. I'm just looking all busted and that. Because it was just in the middle of the day and just the air cameras in my face. And I'm just like, do you know what? What do you want to hear? Because I will finish say it. If it means I'm going to get my shit sorted. And it did. Because after that, the um, home office people are giving me a call today after talking about, oh, Jay, we want you to apply for 
your thing, putting it straight away, trying to silence me and that. So in the end, I thought, fuck these people. I'm going to go down the route. And I went to the high court in the UK and I sued them. So wow. I've done. So the only reason you were able to actually sort it out was because you went to the MP. What does MP stand for? Um, uh, member. Oh, I was. I almost forgot then. A member of parliament, okay. allegedly. Okay, member of parliament. <laughs> member of parliament. See, I think of think of this as someone like one of your House of Representatives type people. Okay, so you go, or maybe your senator. I don't know the equivalent yeah. here. So you go to David Bernie Lammy. Bernie Sanders who's... or someone, maybe. Okay, <laughs> yes. And so you, you go to him, and because of him, he did he tweet it or something? Yeah, How did he, he get to the media? Yeah, he tweeted my name and tweeted just... So basically, he's the one that put me in contact with them. Ah. And then he basically was just frustrated with the whole situation and just thought, you know what, I can't be allowing... Obviously, his role as an MP is to kind of hear people out. Mm. And the funny thing is, he's not even in my constituency, so he really... He didn't. He wasn't obliged to help because they're only meant mm. to help people in their area. Mm. So he only forwarded my stuff to the people, but was obviously appalled by the situation because mm. he was just like, "Wow, this is bizarre." And then because of all of these movements that I'm making here in the back, that's how comes the Home Office in the end decided to kind of do what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm good now but it almost affected my study because I graduated in music, business management and live entertainment. Mm -hmm. So obviously I was doing major bits in the background. I wasn't making that bring me down because I just thought whatever, I'm still going to be someone. Right. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And I just right. kept it moving because that's the only thing I knew what to do. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to David Lavi for real, for real. It is a shame though. And unfortunately this is how our world is set up now that it takes the negative media attention for the government to take action and do the right thing. And that's what happened yep. in this case. And it's so, just kind of sad to see. Even when I was reading some of the comments under the article that um, was published in one of the newspapers over here, mm -hmm. you know, people are commenting, and I rarely even saw one bad comment. People are just like, wow, this is bizarre. He was born here. You know, you had the odd racist few that are like, oh, get that, uh, 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 uh. And I'm just listening to them thinking, you know what, some people are really unhappy with life. Right. But for me, you know what, throughout the whole time, because I've always had a smile on my face, people don't understand how I've done it. Because you know what, you don't let things get to you. Life could be so much better and worse, even now, Corona's around. You know, you got people walking around with a sad on their face. So you just be grateful. And that's yeah. the kind of attitude and energy that I kept up throughout this whole thing. Right. It could have drawn me out. I could have just thought, you know what, I, this, I can't even manage with this stress because what they were trying to bring to... Imagine the prospects of a teenager. You know, you're a young boy coming up. And, 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 and these government people are talking about, oh, we need to send you back to Jamaica. Imagine how Crazy. frightened you're going to be like. Listen, you know what I'm trying to say? So, I, listen, I was born here. My parents, my sisters are all born in Jamaica. I'm the only one born here. So they suddenly told me to mm -hmm. like go which trump is sometimes trying to talk stuff, stuff like that actually but if they told me to go it's scary it's scary mm -hmm. you know and you had never been there i actually would saying, go to jamaica like all mom, the time she was... but you hadn't actually gone there at the mm -hmm. time so and that had to be scary it wouldn't have been difficult it wouldn't have been difficult if my mom was born here but she ain't no english girl she's jamaican mm -hmm. from the gutter gutter do you know what I mean? It's even now she speaks Yardy and, and, and like she's from Yard and she ain't even been back there since mm -hmm. really. So obviously it just goes to show. So I have the attitude of a fighter. So I just don't stop until I get the result I want. And the right. result I wanted, I got period. 
and I had no choice but to do just do it. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, so, absolutely. No, that's, that's amazing. Cool. Every and, time and... I talk about it, yeah. Every time I talk about it, it just kind of just makes me feel it for other people because it's not just me going through it. There's mm -hmm. bare people going through it. There's Africans, Caribbeans going through it. And it's becoming like now, they're trying to cover it all up under the carpet, especially because Corona thing now. So they're trying to use the Corona thing as, oh, we, we ain't got the budget. We ain't got the time to look at this. We ain't got this. But really, they need to pay the respect to the, 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 um, the people that have been affected and keep it moving, keep it pushing. You know what I'm trying to say, so. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I want to add a little bit of perspective because I know a lot of Americans have not left the country. So they're like, well, why does it matter if you had a passport? Let's, you guys need to have some context. America is a huge country, so it's not good that you guys haven't left the country, but it's also very different. When you're in Europe in particular, like the countries are much smaller. So you do travel. People have a lot of exposure. Things are right next well, door to Well, of course, and especially, yeah. from, especially for someone like me, who's grown up in the music area. I wanted to travel for various reasons, you know, that stops me from traveling. So of course, you're gonna wanna travel. No one just wants to be stagnant for the rest of the time. I'm an yeah. explorer. I moved from my hometown to the, the, the capital of the UK, which is London. Do you know what I mean? And that was all alone. Like I, I have um, one, a couple of family members that live in London, everyone else lives in my hometown. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I already am that sort of person where I just want to go. I just want to go. I'm finna go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And no one ain't trying to stop me, but now Rona's here. I'm finna stay home. Let's stay home, guys. <laughs> Yo, let's stay home. <laughs> yeah, we have to We're stay about home. to stay home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but this is a big thing. It's, it's real. Mm. So I think, first of all, thank you for telling your story because uh, it's important. And I think people may read about this and they don't think that it's affecting real people this affecting thousands of people and it's generational that's the craziest part of this it's not just the people who came from 1948 to 1973 this is generations their their children their grandchildren their great-grandchildren who are having exactly. these issues of citizenship so um I, I am going to say this a lot of times People I find in the UK are like, oh, these things are, you know, racism is an American thing. There, There's a racist undertone to this to me. I don't know if this would be the same situation or the same experience if they were from Sweden. I don't know that. So I do think it's people of color. Well, for me, I already expressed my feeling. Yeah. I already expressed my feelings to the home office um, in a letter. So they know how I feel. So I'm not going <laughs> to comment. No comment. Yeah, you, you don't have to comment. No comment. Right? You, don't, you don't have to comment. But to me, it, there's definitely a racist undertone, and it's really unfortunate, you know? And it, this is something we see so much where, like, with immigration and the children of immigrants and these borders, I mean, people, and I'm not trying to be funny, the borders, a lot of this shit is fake, you know what I mean? Like, because 30 years ago, they're like, okay, you're fine, you're considered a citizen, and then they made an arbitrary date and like, oh, now, January 1st. 1983, no, you're not. So this, a lot of stuff is very arbitrary, but it has really unfortunate real consequences that impacts people's lives. So I know a lot of people may be like, oh, don't turn a blind eye if you don't think it's you because it could be your neighbor, it could be your friend, and you never know when the tables may turn where it could impact you. So I think this is a very powerful story. I'm super happy for you that it worked out. You know, I'm super happy for you Thank that it worked you, out because I know some people fight that for years and... Um, for years, yeah. Yeah, and could but you I just imagine? Hope to tell you my story. I just, that's, pardon? 
I said, could you imagine if you had to end up going to Jamaica? My God. I, I probably would have. You know what? In the end, I just said, I wanted to just say to them, just give it me. I'll just go in it. But I just thought, love it. But do you know what? I just hope that me telling my story is going to inspire basically people to not really give up and just kind of push, 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 push. Yeah. You know, keep it pushing. That's the motto. Yeah. yeah, keep pushing forward. And, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, I of appreciate course. you sharing this story, cuz. Do you want to, I know you recently launched a website. Do you want to tell us where we can I find have. you and what you do? Okay, so basically, just remember the name and then you'll remember how to find everything. The name is Jerome the Singer. That's J-E-R-O-M-E-T-H-E, singer, obviously. And my website is www.jeromethesinger.com. Instagram, Jerome the Singer. That's for everything. Snap, Insta, Facebook, everything. Twitter, even though I don't use that, but hey, tweet me. Let's go. <laughs> I will tag uh, Instagram and Twitter yeah, and everything. send me so I can um, upload on the site and send people to listen to it and inspire some people. Yes, absolutely. So... Thank you so much for sharing your story. Stay Thank safe. You, um, Stay safe, you too. And, you know, and it's all good. love to the family. Thanks yes, likewise. Calling. No problem. Mm-hmm. All right, take I'll care. Speak to you later. God bless you. So, hey, guys, I just want to reiterate that this was recorded on May 24th. So this was a month ago before George Floyd, everything that's happened. And there has been a big movement, a lot of discussion in the UK about Black Lives Matter. So... Throw the current context as something new, but that's underlying the conversation that me and my cousin Jerome had a month ago, and you see it's all related in the great circle of life. So just wanted to say that because I didn't want you guys to be like, hey, why are you not talking about Black Lives Matter? Why are you not talking about the statues and everything that's been happening in the UK and the conversations about Windrush? The anniversary just came on June 22nd. Just want to know that this was recorded a month before all of this. So I hope everybody's safe and keep it pushing. Till next time, peace. Thank you.